This is the Startup Pregnant Podcast, episode number 10. All right, Startup Pregnant listeners, I knew this would happen. I was just asking myself, what would happen to the podcast if I got a cold? And I was like, well, maybe I'll record enough episodes and not have a cold. Actually, I have a cold and I'm recording the podcast. That is life when you live with one of those little toddlers who carry germs everywhere. So I've got a cold. You'll hear it coming through on a couple of episodes because I'm in the studio recording. Here we go. So today our guest is Stephanie Jala. She is an amazing multidisciplinary force in the realm of business strategy, social impact, and leadership. She has worked for a long time leading purpose-driven companies with bold visions, make a difference in the world. And motherhood was something that she says really changed how she showed up at work and also took her a long time to transition from. So in today's episode, we talk about how motherhood was this incredible, yet she calls it devastating change, and how much she mourned the loss of her previous identity. And the light that is, she said, well, if I'm going through this, then certainly other people, other moms are as well. And what can I do with this information? What can I do about this situation? She is 10 months postpartum now at the time of our interview. And you can hear her kid in the background a little bit. It's one of her first times away from her kid getting back into the swing of all that she's building. One of the things she's building is a business and community, a tribe called All the Mama Feels, which I love it. All the feels, but all the mama feels. And it's a group of women and a place to talk about what it feels like to be a new mom. One of the most interesting things that I think we hit upon in this interview is this idea that the qualities and the characteristics of motherhood, the feelings, the empathy, the caring, the nurturing, the incredible amount of work is something that is much needed in the business world and the political world and the um, even the social world in some regards. So I love what she has to say about it. And I can't wait to bring you this episode. Have a listen in. And um, when you hear kids in the background, know that that's all a part of life. See you on the other side of the intro. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. This podcast is sponsored by Meet Edgar, a social media scheduling tool. With Edgar, you only have to create content once, and he does the hard work for you, making your content go further. As a busy parent and an entrepreneur, I don't have 10 hours a week to do social media scheduling. Who has 10 hours a week for that? To try it out for two weeks for free, go to ed.gr slash startup pregnant and get access to a free trial. You will be in love with them as soon as you realize just exactly what Edgar does for you. As always, hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a minute to leave us a review, we would love that. If you need any of the show notes from the show, head to startuppregnant.com. All right, let's get started. Hi, Steph. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Sarah. I am so excited to talk to you today. And I think we're going to get into a lot of topics that are so important around motherhood and entrepreneurship. And the first thing I want to just jump in, you have been talking about this idea that motherhood just transforms women. And it is something that's so important as transformative journey. And you wrote something you said, 
Motherhood has been the most incredible yet devastating change I've ever experienced. I feel so happy, yet I deeply mourn the loss of my old identity. And if I'm going through this, chances are many other moms are as well. Can you start by telling us what you mean by this and and what the story is behind this huge transformation that you've been through? Yeah. I, and a lot of people talk about bouncing back, like how fast can I bounce back with my body, with getting back to the gym, with getting back to all my hobbies and getting back to my laptop. And it's almost like instead of thinking about bouncing back, we want to reframe and look forward and transform forward because we're never actually going to have that old life that we had. And that was a really hard pill for me to swallow. As someone that's very ambitious, very active, very in the community, wanting to create you know, my own business up to a lot of projects, there was no bouncing back for me. <laughs> so I really had to challenge myself to say, okay, well, what would it look like if I were to create myself newly as a mother? And then how can we use and leverage motherhood as a transformation that's going to create a better version of me? It's like it calls you to be someone way bigger than you've ever been before, which is totally scary, totally confronting, and it's going to bring up all your stuff, which it did for me. So looking at myself, you know, I would go through a day and you're just with your baby all day and I, I just thought to myself, wow, I've done nothing today. And that really is a context. But I had to transform the way that I viewed my new life with a baby from I'm trapped, I'm trapped under a baby all day, just holding her and doing nothing, to I'm raising this tiny human. And this tiny human is now my contribution to the world. And one of the greatest contributions to the world. Hmm. I coach leaders in business and it was the opportunity for me to actually step outside and be like, okay, Steph, like you can either just cry all day and complain about how things suck or take a look at what are your accomplishments and who do you need to be as a mother to be a leader in motherhood? And so it was interesting because I used to be someone who was very competitive, very driven, very direct, very decisive, which you could see as very masculine qualities. And I don't mean this as like only men possess this because men and women and all genders possess many type of qualities that you could categorize as masculine or feminine. But I was mostly in the masculine side, right? And then becoming a mother, then all of a sudden, you are called to be loving, caring, nurturing, listening, peaceful, giving, and all of these feminine qualities that I might have in the past considered weak or soft. And if you take a look in the world, you take a step back, those are many of the qualities that anybody can embody, but those are the qualities that the world is most yearning for. Hmm. When you look at the landscape of business, it's all about competition, who can win, who can beat the other one, let's squash the other guys and make them go bankrupt. And let's take all of the market share. That's like a very aggressive way that business could be set up. 
or it could be seen from the lens of perhaps like a mother, how a mother would see it. How can we create community? How can we lift all of each other up? How can we do shared learning? How can we listen to each other? How can we have everyone win? How can we have the world thrive? How can we have our forests be restored to growth and honor and balance? Mm. And I think a lot of those qualities that can be leveraged when you transform as a mother are the qualities that would be so powerful to make a difference in the world when these mothers go back to boardrooms or these mothers start their own nonprofits or their own community groups mm. that they can share with the people around them, male, female, or anyone in between. I'm obsessed with everything that you're saying. I like from <laughs> from the the power of transformation that is the pregnancy and the parenting journey because there's new evidence to show that our co-parents and partners and men also go through a very interesting transformative journey. What happens to people as they go through this? You touched on so many of these amazing points. Sometimes it reorganizes you. Sometimes it calls you to play bigger. Sometimes it sharpens you. And sometimes it opens up a whole other side of yourself that you didn't even know that you had access to. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us a little bit about your particular experience in pregnancy and in meeting your first child? Wow. Pregnancy. Pregnancy was... I would say my pregnancy was a, a healthy pregnancy that was fairly uneventful in a good way, like medically uneventful. You know, you had the, the usual back pain. And I had this insane nesting instinct, which is really interesting because it is actually a biological instinct to build the nest, gather all the things to prepare for the baby. Actually, my husband cut me off from Craigslist because he's like, you're not allowed to buy any more things. <laughs> like, like, we don't even have this baby. We don't even know what the baby wants or needs. But what was actually pretty monumental for me was more so not so much the pregnancy, but the birth itself. The birth was an experience that called myself and my partner to be much bigger than we had ever been in our lives. And it was the foundation to solidify us as parents. When she came out, the labor was totally normal. We chose to have a home birth because we did a lot of research around the statistics of home births assisted by really great midwives and a doula. And the birth went well. It was 24 hours. It was intense. It's like the most intense thing I've ever done. I probably did like 5,000 squats and I was in a wheelchair for a week after because I couldn't walk. <laughs> but the last push when she came out, she wasn't breathing. And that's normal for some babies. And sometimes they need a little bit of help. But then after a few more minutes, she still wasn't breathing. So our doula and our midwives took action and called the ambulance and we had a smooth transfer to the hospital. The ambulance was already waiting for us because they knew I was in labor. I'll just side note because a lot of people are scared about home births because they say, well, what if something like that happens in emergency from decision to incision? So the decision is, okay, something needs to happen. There's an emergency to incision as in like ready to do surgery or ready to do the treatment is usually about an hour, hour and a half in the hospital. So if you're giving birth in a hospital and something's gone wrong or something happened where they need special care, you or the baby, 
it takes an hour and a half for them to call the anesthesiologist, the surgeon, the specialist, the team, the nurse, prep the bed, move you, all that stuff. So it's the same thing from going from my home to the hospital. Anyways, we got to the hospital and she was put on life support. They didn't know what happened because the whole labor was normal until the very end. And she just didn't wake up. And she was on all the meds, all the tubes. She had the tubes in, like in her throat, in her brain, in her tummy, in her wrist, like everywhere. She was in a cooling sack that made her shiver. I couldn't hold her. I couldn't breastfeed her. And it was heartbreaking to see her in such a state. And it was the most difficult time, but most triumphant week of my life, being in the NICU. The context of the doctors were, she's the sickest baby here. She probably will die. And I had to tell them that I know that my baby is not sick. I don't have scientific evidence for it. And I know that's what you're looking for. But I know in my intuition, because I had a very healthy pregnancy, I could feel her growing inside me. I knew that she was fine. She just needed a little bit of help. That's all. And so it's this interesting thing about we're very reliant on data or Googling or the science or the facts that we almost forget to take a moment to check in to our gut. Like before technology, we didn't have any like any of this information. We just mothered. We just listened to our babies and figured out what they wanted and what they needed. We probably were more in tune with our bodies to know what our bodies needed or didn't need. Mm. Like we right? listened like we, better yeah, we to listened our bodies better. and ourselves. Yeah. Mm. And so I think that pregnancy and giving birth and having a child has allowed me to really check in and listen like what's needed right now. You know, like I'll make three meals a day for her now that she's on solid. Mm -hmm. But sometimes she doesn't want to eat Mm. because she's really in tune with her body. She knows like when she's hungry and when she's not. And I don't force feed her. So I'd say, okay, not right now. Like it's not convenient for me, but (laughs) she's not eating. I'm checking in with her and allowing her the space to be able to keep that intuition, that mind-body connection of listening to her body and her needs to keep that as okay. she grows up. So so first of all, this birth story, I like my heart is breaking and I want to know how things I got I digress. <laughs> what happened? And then I have another question for you about intuition because I struggle with that sometimes, like what it is and how it works. So but first, can you keep going? What ended up happening? And so, how's your baby girl? She went from being the sickest baby in the NICU to the healthiest baby in the NICU. She went from like being the first one that all the doctors would do their rounds to see all the babies. And she'd be the first one there with the most attention, with the most specialists, with the most tubes, the most medication, all the things that kind of wiped out my natural birth plan. And every day, my husband and I, no matter how exhausted we were, because I was, I had to pump day in, day out, because we couldn't breastfeed. We had no skin to skin for five days. Oh, God. It was terrible. You were watching your baby in this cooling suit. It was like a space suit that kept her cold in case if there was any brain damage or organ damage. 
from they think that there was a moment of no oxygen and they don't know how long it was. I told them it wasn't long because I knew in my intuition that we were monitoring her heartbeat the whole time and her heartbeat was fine until the very last push, which is probably when something happened. And so she's in this cooling sack and she's shivering and cold and it's so sad and she's trying to cry but she can't make any noise because she's got the breathing tube in her she had seizures because the breathing tube they put in was too small and she wasn't getting enough oxygen to the oh. brain oh, and so there was, it was one of those things and I saw someone at the NICU and it was someone who had done a leadership program with me and I said of all the people that's here I'm the best equipped person to deal with this situation. Mm. Because in every breakdown, I had the tools and ability to create a possibility, like what's possible versus thinking doom and gloom in the worst. And every morning, my husband and I, and every night when there was a shift change, we were there with the doctors and the nurses and the care team to take notes, understand what was going on, decipher the medical lingo, and get them on board with the fact that we know that our baby girl's going to be just fine. That she's not sick. Mm -hmm. Rather, she's a robust, full-term, healthy baby that's resilient and just needs a little bit of assistance. Mm. And so I was trying to shift their context. And I understand from their world, they see babies die every day. So they're pretty jaded. Mm. You know, like I had nurses come up to me saying, I just scheduled two C-sections because I wanted to avoid that from happening. She pointed at my baby. And this is no judgment against anyone who scheduled C-sections. It's just that I find it sad that she's been in an environment where there's been so much fear around birth. She only sees day in, day out, the births that go wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that's her whole world that even for herself, she didn't feel safe to trust her body, that her body could have done it. Maybe it could have, mm -hmm. you know, and C-sections mm -hmm. serve a great purpose because they are life-saving when they're needed. So I was in that environment, in that swamp of no possibility, doom and gloom, assume the worst just in case. And I was there standing saying, okay, no, she doesn't need those antibiotics. I think this is overkill. Do I have any say? And I really didn't. And they were doing their job. But I was kind of like that annoying mom that was like, really mama bearing it. But every day, I was right. Every day, her, her condition improved by leaps and bounds. And they were like blown away. They were like, okay, this baby was going to die hmm. when we first started seeing her. And now she's like normal. Well, so, okay. So I want to ask you a little bit about this because something that happens, like we're in a hospital environment for those people who choose to go to a hospital for a birth. We're in a hospital environment and there's people around us that are moving very fast and they're making decisions very quickly because of the way the system is set up, right? They're okay. supposed to hit a certain number of numbers. They have rooms for a certain number of hours. Like there are all of these outside pressures and yes. the experience of the person that's in the room for me, I remember this because I had a hospital birth. Mm -hmm. I remember 
the hardest part is like, how do you separate out trusting yourself? Like when you just have that little question where you're just like, I, uh, mm, like, you know, when you pause and you think like, I, but is that I don't. And then these are experts in front of you who have like, they've had more babies than I have. And, and a lot of times they're right, right? Like they're making the best decisions they can, but they are also jaded and they also see the worst of things. So how do you access your own inner voice and your own questioning and speak up and advocate for yourself when you're Mm -hmm. in this kind of position? Yeah. Well, the first thing is that I did do a lot of research. Okay. So I knew the data. Okay. I knew that C-section rates in the hospitals around my area were 50%. And I know that the World Health 5-0. Whoa. Okay. And that's pretty normal in the States as well. I'm in Canada. The States are like 30%, I think. And in some metropolitan pockets, it's 50%. In some hospitals, it's 90%. The World Health Organization recommends less than 15%, one five. Mm -hmm. So anything above 15% C-section rate is probably unnecessary. So I was equipped with, first of all, that data. Second of all, I know the lens and context of OBs or surgeons or people that are in the hospital, maybe, and not everyone, right? It's not a blanket statement. Maybe that they're coming from a risk averse perspective, right? We better not risk it. Let's just do the surgery. And then choosing a healthcare provider that really aligns with your values and knowing their stats. Okay, so we chose an incredible group of midwives that work for the local university here. It's Birth and Beyond, and they work at University of British Columbia here in Vancouver, Canada. And they collaborate with the medical school as well, and they do tons of research, so they've got tons of data. But I knew their C-section rates. I knew their home birth success rates. I knew their hospital transfer rates. I was equipped with what's possible in the hospital versus what's possible with midwives at home with their care and in the hospital with their care. So it's one of those things is then you want to look at your intuition. You know, I've had a friend that was giving birth at the hospital and this is not to say hospitals are bad because they do amazing things and do provide life-saving and incredible care. I just came from it for this eye infection that I had and I just had amazing care there. Where was I? Mom brain is <laughs> mom <laughs> totally brain is totally in. No, you do. You said you were saying you do a lot of research and you look at the data and then also you respect the hospitals because they're wonderful in many regards. Right. And then you got to listen to your gut, right? If a doctor comes in and says, okay, Sarah, so you've been in labor for 12 hours. Time is ticking. And I think it's time for you to consider, do you have it in you to push this baby out? Or do you think we should send you to the surgery to have a C-section? And it's for you to be like, okay, you might need to stand your ground and say, I want to labor for as long as it takes. Of course, first time moms, often the reason for C-section is they've just labored too long and they're not progressing and they're tired. That's one thing. Another way thing that impacts C-sections in hospitals is, like you said, hospitals have limited time, limited beds. People are changing shifts. They'd rather have the baby out before their shift is over rather than switching to a new doctor and letting mom labor to a different whole new care team. It's not really like the system is seamlessly supporting patient care first because they don't have 
abundance of time that you would have at home, for example. So that's the point where you might need to check in with your intuition. Do I have it in me? How do I want to honor my experience? What am I committed to? And do I believe in myself? Like, I totally believe that one of the biggest reasons why I progressed really well in my labor was because I believed in myself. Hmm. And there was a moment where my contractions stalled, like they stopped, like they were just like every five, seven minutes, which was not in the direction of progress. This is kind of sound weird and crazy. But I like with my mind, willed the contractions to physically happen. Mm -hmm. I breathed them in to my body. And I made them happen. And for the next seven hours until my baby came out. And that sounds weird, wow. but that's not weird at all. The mind body connection is fascinating. So I want to dig in and I want to ask you about intuition because, yeah. and this is a totally personal question because I've been struggling with it, especially in my experience as a new mother. How do I say it? What's a good way of saying this? I think sometimes we use the word intuition without explaining it and what it means, or it can be shorthand for like, you should already know what this is. And so I had a lot of people tell me, oh, it'll just come to you. Use your mother's intuition. Like breastfeeding will be a piece yeah. of cake. Everybody can <laughs> figure it out. Mother's intuition is great. You know, this kind of narrative yeah. that I actually think can, when we don't use it or clarify what it is, it's actually not helpful to women. Because yeah. then you just leave them somewhere saying, well, you should already know how to do this. And I know I'm kind yeah. of veering off into a new path, but come with me here. And one of the things I think is that sometimes we mistake experience for intuition because our mind-body-gut connection is so fascinating. I and mean, we have lots of data and we've observed things and we've been in the presence of other women for a number of years or we have sisters and we've watched them. Then when it gets to doing things like doing a diaper or doing breastfeeding, we actually have a mm -hmm. body of wisdom that's been internalized. We're not like consciously aware of it in our forebrain, in our top of our mind, but mm -hmm. our body has access to it somewhere. And we're like, oh, I can get this. Whereas mm -hmm. there are women in the world who have never had sisters. They have not been around mm -hmm. a single baby. And then they're told, use your intuition. And yeah. I think they're just flummoxed. So yes. with that very long preamble, <laughs> what is intuition well and how does it work? Let's start with two things here. First of all, there is a gap in generational wisdom being passed down in terms of motherhood and child rearing. Okay. Amen. So in the past, we probably lived in communities where everyone was helping. There's grandmas, there's aunties, there's cousins, there's uncles, there's everybody has been there supporting each other in this tribe type of way. And so there a is this loss of generational wisdom that you would be supported in when you have a baby. Okay, first of all. And also I can hear the little one. Yes, okay. So let's Which okay. is totally no, she's, it's totally fine. I just wanted ballistic. to say like I'm sending <laughs> her some ballistic. love. <laughs> it sounds like she's having a moment. She's having a big moment. Um, do you want to pause and go no, no, back? No, no, no. I'm going to keep going because I think this is exactly what this podcast is about. <laughs> it's like sometimes we close the door and there's a kid on the other side, right? And somebody else is watching the kid while we're doing things. So I'll ask you about that in a minute. Pardon the interruption. So you had just said that there's a gap in this generational wisdom. Yes. With the medicalization of births, which is births coming to hospitals, there was a lot of experimentation in the last 
70 years that was actually really, really bad for mothers and babies. So there was a lot of information given to mothers that actually harmed babies more. There was a lot of things that happened to women during birth that caused birth defects and deformations. So there's this gap in the last 70 years of how nature is intended to do things and raise children that we have lost touch with. And so now we all live in this modern world in these apartments by ourselves without our tribe. And we're sitting there with a newborn baby being like, what the hell do I do? Yes. Like, what does yes, have thank to you do? for like, saying I that. Have no idea. Like, I don't know. Is she getting milk? Is she not getting milk? Is she getting enough? How much is enough? How do I know? Right. Like, we have no Should clue. I be sleeping? Should she be sleeping? Is Should it too much? Yeah, Am like, I supposed to wake the baby? What do yeah. I do? <laughs> so it's not like intuition is like our magic Google that's inside that will just tell us the right answer. Thank it's not you. Okay, so you. don't be hard on yourself if you don't have an internal magical Google called your intuition. <laughs> yes. None of us do have that. <laughs> yeah. For me, when I think about intuition, I think about there's no right and wrong answer. Okay, there's certain things that work better than others. And there's certain things that don't. So if I check in with myself, what do I think works? And I might fumble and I might fail a few times, but I try it. And if it works, then it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But it's more like being sure about my educated, I'll say guess, but being sure about, okay, well, what does my baby need? If I check in and I listen and learn my baby Hmm. and I really listen to her, like, okay, she's crying right now. Well, what is that cry about? What does my intuition tell me? I might fumble around a little bit to learn my baby, but we're so quick to discount ourselves that we can't figure it out, that we don't know, that we're not in tune or in touch. But it takes some learning and it takes us trusting ourselves to be able to fumble and learn and just be with your child Mm. and discover each other. This is amazing. So what I'm hearing you say and what I love so much, you said it earlier too, this kind of stop and listen and watch, right? Stop and like observe your own body. What's happening in your body? What does it feel like? And especially in today's modern world with technology, we can lose access to our body's inherent wisdom. And then what you just said about watching your baby, that's the kind of thing where you say, okay, this is happening. Has it happened before? What happens when I try this, this, and this? And starting to learn those rhythms It's like listening and paying attention. It's like, oh, you know, these kinds of things help her fall asleep. And these kinds of things do this. That is such a beautiful definition of intuition. Because sometimes I just, to me, that word, I hear it and I'm like, funk. Like I've smacked my head against a wall. I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's just sort of what you're saying with technology. Like we're always being stimulated. We're always looking for the answer outside ourselves. Google, other people, we want that validation that we forget to first ask ourselves, like, maybe could I figure it out? You know, like we say things like, oh, I don't know how to build a business. Well, if you really challenge yourself, and even if you have zero business background or experience, could you figure it out? You probably could like, okay, I want to sell this product. Okay, so I get the product. And then, okay, who do I want to sell it to? Well, who does it appeal to? Okay, these people, where will I find them? Oh, well, I find them here. 
And then how would I sell it to them? Well, I'll go talk to them. Mm. I didn't get my MBA, so I can't build a business. Well, why don't you just stop and actually listen to what you're saying? Is that truth? Mm-hmm. Is it true that you don't know? Mm. Is that truth? Is it truth like the sky is blue? Mm. Isn't that you know? interesting? Yeah. I love it too because it's like it's trusting your ability to learn and to grow. Okay, I don't know how to do that, right? I haven't done it before, but can I try something? Can I figure something out? I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head in terms of my experience of business all the time. Oh, you know, crap. I only have a DBA, like a doing business as. I don't have a formal yeah. LLC. Therefore, am I a fraud? Well, I certainly think that sometimes. And then it's like, okay, Sarah, can you figure out how to get an LLC? Yes. Can you do some Googling <laughs> searching? Mm, also, I can do that, yeah. right? Like, can you fill out the paperwork? Sure. Can you yeah. pay that hefty $2,000 bill because you live in New York City? <laughs> well, damn it. Sure. Like, <laughs> you know, Fine. you start to break it down and you're like, oh, I did it. Oh, all right. That interesting yeah. belief that carried it through that said I couldn't do it is very different from the fact that like step by step, I can figure it out. And I want to expand that one next level. Now, my passion is social and environmental impact. And in my before mom life, I coached business leaders that were creating organizations that have a social or environmental mission. Now, there is a grand challenge that we have in this world today in terms of our society and environment. And it requires a new way of doing business that's never been done before. So we need leaders who are up to dealing with things that nobody's dealt with before Mm -hmm. in a new way that it's never been dealt with. There is no framework that exists to save the world. It requires our creativity, our intuition, our bravery, our just naiveness to tackle it. And so when I talk about transformation of motherhood, these qualities of caring, abundance, connection, community, nurturing. These are all qualities that I'm really passionate about instilling in business leaders to ingrain in their business strategy to create a friendly future for this planet. I'm like getting shivers and tingles because you are saying words that I was just writing earlier this morning. And this is like the obsession of Startup Pregnant. And Mm -hmm. it circles us back to where we were at the beginning of this conversation when we were talking about there's an absence of mothering, not just on the individual level, but like on the social sphere. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about and ask you about was this idea that like, In our society, and I'm speaking as an American in the US right now, but it extends into more of Western culture, we diminish and make invisible mothering and or we relegate it to the most lowest on the economic totem pole. So caregiving is very cheap. We don't pay very much. We don't give leave to mothers. We don't value Mm -hmm. mothering. We don't value these things. And we have to make them invisible. Like Sheryl Sandberg, bless her heart. Like I, that's such a Southern phrase. I don't, that never comes out of my mouth. (laughs) Well, I don't know why I just said that. Her book was pivotal when it came out because she was a feminist and a leader of a tech company to stand for Mm -hmm. something. And even now, just a few years later, it feels a little bit like dated. But one of the things she did was she never spoke about her nannies. And she has like three nannies or two nannies. Mm -hmm. And she never Mm -hmm. shared like, this is what it actually takes to take care of the children that I have that allow me to do this work. 
And I don't want to, you know, crucify her too much. I think she's just one of many women that are doing the good fight. But to this end, to this idea that like when we diminish or Mm -hmm. hide how important mothering is on one plane, I think we also make it invisible on the other plane. And you spoke to this in terms of how important it is to bring these qualities of empathy and community, less individualism into the business sphere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you first come across this idea? And what does it look like to you in business? How did I come across the idea? Well, it just clicked for me. But it's one of those things, right? You don't know what it's like to be a mother until you're a mother. Before you just see moms with pictures of their babies. And you're like, wow, motherhood is like mat leave is going to be in Canada. We have one year mat leave. Mat leave is going to be a one year vacation for me. And I'm just going (laughs) to play with my cute baby all the time. It's going to be a dream. (laughs) And then I became a mother. I was like, oh my God, being a mother is like a double full-time job with no pay, no vacation, no sick days and no breaks. And you are on all the time. If you have mastitis, you have the flu, you still have to wake up and feed your baby all around the clock. And totally. You, totally. I was like, oh my God, it was a shock to my system. And it was hard for me because even I diminished my role. I questioned like, what have I reduced myself to, you know, before I was making all these plans to create, you know, these leadership circles for game-changing business leaders who are saving the world and doing all these big things. And then now my new goals are feeding myself, showering, just like, you know, trying to survive the day. Like, what has my life been reduced to? And I really had to get real about how I even was seeing this as a diminishment. That's where the transformation was needed is that I really wanted to create a new context that empowered me. So actually, for my own sanity, started a motherhood community. And I started it first with just a personal journal, I guess, or Mm -hmm, a blog. mm -hmm. It's not really a blog, but it's just an Instagram account called All the Mama Feels. All the Mama Feels, F-E-E-L-S. Because motherhood is all the feels. It's the most amazing, rewarding thing but you're just so devastated and exhausted and frustrated at the same time. And so I wanted to document because there's a lot of beautiful mothers who have beautiful curated, nice feeds and they just look perfect all the time with their makeup done and whoever takes their photos are obviously really good at taking photos. And I wanted to just share the real side of motherhood from my perspective of like, okay, you know what? I'm having a hard day today (laughs) and it's, was really tough. And now I'm slogging day in, day out, like cleaning the mess, trying to feed my baby food, but she doesn't want to eat it. But there's a huge explosion of food everywhere. And it's like, you just, you do this day in, day out, and you're on all the time. And so somebody (laughs) did this for all of us. Like, that's the thing that just like blows my mind is that someone did this for me. And like all of the people who are in these boardrooms, it's like, you know, somebody spent five years trying to make sure that mushy food got in your mouth. Like, (laughs) and then they cleaned all your dishes, right? It's just everyone comes from a mother. Somehow, I created a community of moms where you get together every week. 
and we talk about the real things and I provide them the same tools that I provide these business leaders. I provide them and myself included because I it's like my own therapy ways to reframe the context of motherhood. And it really takes a societal shift. But like you said, this is a conversation that can't just be happening with mothers. It needs to happen in the boardroom with men and all people of all walks of life. So there's a gap in relatedness. There's a gap in other people who are in decision-making roles to understand what it really takes for a full-time mom to be working full-time and have a thriving family. It's actually really hard. And I personally decided to leave the corporate world two years ago because I knew I wanted to have a baby. And I knew that I wasn't committed to nine to five, which is not really nine to five these days. It's like eight till midnight with emails all the time coming in Mm -hmm. five days a week and on weekends. I wasn't committed to that lifestyle with a child. Mm. I just wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I'm still discovering how I'm going to set up my new life with a baby, but I'm really committed that I still make the income more than the income goals that I would say like an average person makes. I'm committed to that. So I'm committed to monetary abundance, but I'm also committed to less time spent on work, but making a big impact doing something I'm passionate about and being able to care for my child. Now, I know that I won't be able to care for my child every single day. I'm going to either need help from my mother and father, probably hire a nanny or put into part-time daycare, but I'm committed that I am there to be able to watch my child grow and put my imprint on her. So what I'm going to be starting after my mat leave is over, which it's not really mat leave for me because I'm self-employed so I'm just kind of (laughs) taking out of my savings at the Mm -hmm. moment is to actually transform organizations to be mom family and parent friendly yes 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 (laughs) thank you (laughs) is a really great success story and they've been doing it for 30 years or a long time now so they're way ahead of time they notice they recognize that they honor families thriving what did you say? Patagonia? Yeah. 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 So they have things like in-house daycare. So they pay for it. And so it's part of the benefits of being an employee there rather than having to drop off your child at daycare at 7 a.m. or 6.30 in the morning. Like what? What time do you have to wake up at to be able mm-hmm. to do that? Like four? Mm-hmm. They get to bring their child to work. And then at lunchtime, they get to eat lunch with their child. And when they go home, they bring their child home. Right. And so they've got to go through the day at least being there. There's pumping rooms and nursing rooms. And so you at least have that ability to stay with your child. And there's so many other ideas that can be implemented, like job sharing, where you could work part-time hours with someone else. Like People say, no, that's impossible. You can't job share. Well, who made up that a full-time job is eight hours, 40 hours a week? We made it up. Humans made it up. We can easily make something up new. It's not that big of a deal. Exactly. A thousand percent. I mean... We created the rules. Like, if the rules don't apply anymore, they don't. Like, the nine-to-five workplace was created when mostly men worked, and they were able to earn an income that could support a whole family, and women stayed at home. Well, and, and, it's, and it's not kids. that old, right? It's only a post-industrial revolution kind yes. of invention. It's not what history has done for years and years and years. 
It's not. It's not that long ago. It's not. It really isn't. And so now there is a dire transformation in the workplace that's needed, a dire transformation. There's a lot of companies, especially that are now recognizing, okay, we want to have more senior women in leadership, but they can't retain them because it's not actually sustainable for the women to be there in those high paying positions, high ranking positions, and manage the children at home because their expectation is that they're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And that doesn't work. And then whether you're a mother or not, that just doesn't work for any human. Mm -hmm. Um, The studies say that max productivity is four or five hours. And there is a company in California that I was reading about that implemented this productivity model instead of eight hour days they cut their hours to five hour days and productivity shot up revenues shot up people were working less in getting to take off work early be with their kids go surfing go grocery shopping cook dinner like totally you know it's like the craving of 90 percent of humans and also there are examples of this that have worked right? Patagonia has 100% retention of its women. When we talk about things like what should maternity leave policy look like or what should parental leave policy look like or how should business change? It's like, well, golly, we've already got examples that are working. Do you know the name of that company? Do you know what company it was that slashed the productivity? I mean, the hours for the productivity? I'll have to to send it to you. Perfect. And then I'll put it in the show notes for people listening so that you guys can read about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really cool. And it's like this, you know, North America has been on this workhorse, like work harder, work longer, work harder, work longer. But there is this opportunity now work smarter and have balance in life. And I don't want to work till I'm dead. I want to enjoy life. And there's a lot of slack that millennials get, like millennials are lazy and millennials are this. They want to work hard, play hard. And they know that working like seven days a week, 12 hour days isn't going to create happiness. And it doesn't. There's a shift that's required in the workplace that's going to really honor not just working moms and families, but anyone Mm -hmm. to be able to take a moment and smell the flowers, really Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. some time for self-care because you're run down and worn out and disconnected and probably feeling lonely and sad and stressed and stressed <laughs> and tired <laughs> and tired. We heard your daughter in the background a little bit. Can you tell us about what that's like? What does your life look like right now? How old is she? And what's the future of working and parenting look like for you? <laughs> Well, right now she's 10 months old and she is a Sagittarius just like me. She's so feisty. She's so confident, daring. I just like, oh my God, what have I created? (laughs) It's like looking in a mirror. It's so fun. I mean, she's the biggest joy. Of course, I love her to death. And I am quite a world traveler. My mother worked for the airlines and when we were kids, two, three months out of the school year, we'd leave and we'd go to Bali or we'd go to Malaysia or we'd go to India and we'd travel the world. And that really shaped my experience of how I view the world and really my passion for making a difference in humanity. And so we're really blessed to have just come back from Turkey and Portugal in the last few months. I went with my mom and my sister came for one of the trips. It just amazes me how adaptable babies are and how resilient you know we get really stuck in like sleep training and routine and 
stuck at home with nap schedules. And, and I did certainly feel that way for some time. And then I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm getting on a plane. <laughs> We're going to have some fun. Oh, uh, I love that. So, you know, I, I'm a quite an extreme person. And, and I know that traveling around backpack style is not sustainable forever. Although I'd love to just get a van and drive to Patagonia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, life has been a roller coaster. And as much as people say, Steph, you're really inspiring. I want to just always remind people that I'm human too. And I have many daily breakdown moments. You know, the difference is I have some muscle and a lot of tools in my back pocket that I've trained myself with, with the help of a lot of other people and coaches for the last 10 years. And that's something that I hope to pass forward to other mothers and other people in my community through all the Mama Feels feed and also the gatherings that I host at a local place in Vancouver, which I'd love to expand where mothers come together with their babies because I also had extreme FOMO, like fear of missing out, like all these cool events are happening at night and I can't leave my baby because she's attached to my boob. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. which we've now oh my god five to seven is the worst or like whatever it is that you put babies down everyone's like oh let's have a meeting then and i'm like you understand that my kid feeds at five six seven and eight right like that's the cluster feeding time no i'm not leaving yeah cannot 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 and you know what can't expect them to get it until they have a baby of their own which brings me back i'm going to digress back to our talk about boardroom the gap in relatedness I have this wild idea of having all the senior executive males of a company job shadow a mom, a working mom, for 48 hours to really get what they have to go through in order to be able to show up at work every day with children at home. Oh my God, like a seven-day boot camp, right? Your alarm goes off like three times a night. There's a suction cup attached to your body somewhere and it like for 20 minutes, five times a day. (laughs) You're presented with like the poopy yellow diapers. You're going to get randomly vomited on just a couple of times a day and you're going to have to spot clean it yourself. You're going to hand wash pump parts. Like what else can they do? (laughs) This is like a little tongue in cheek, but it's totally true. The fact that women show up and are engaged at such a high level at work throughout all of this, it's just like, I don't want to swear, but like badass warriors you know (laughs) so so badass like times a million it's just we have superpowers like my doula is so amazing her name's for kel feswick she said it's surprising how little sleep mothers can run on like any other human would have schizophrenia Mm. and it's not it's not like a joke against schizophrenia it's actually like how can a human survive with such little sleep? And moms just do it. Hmm. They just do it. And not all moms, the moms have amazing babies and I really envy them. But at this, yeah, I'm not jealous because I'm all about women lifting up other women. Mm-hmm. But God bless those women who have sleeping babies. But I didn't have one until yesterday because we sleep trained and she slept for <laughs> 10 hours straight without waking up for the first time in her whole life. And I feel like a new human. Good job, little one. Good you know, job, little one. This conversation because I can actually carry a conversation. It's totally. so great. Sleep is so yeah. important. And yet it's a miracle what people do not on it. And then also 
then there are people who are struggling because of postpartum depression and anxiety and real problems with sleep deprivation. And, and like we don't have a generous or even any understanding of what it is and what it takes. Steph, this is amazing. I want to talk to you for another two hours. And we're mamas. We're working mamas. So we have to stop the podcast. Where can people find you on the internet and talk to you? The best place to find me, especially if you're a mom, is on Instagram, all the mama feels, A-L-L, the T-H-E, mama feels, F-E-E-L-S. And I have a private Facebook group, which is a support group. You know, people often ask me, is this your business? No, this is just my passion project while I'm on maternity leave because it keeps my sanity going to share my experience, share tools that empower us. You know, I'm not an expert at postpartum depression, but I can help with certain tools to empower you. Of course, if people are considering some drastic, like crazy things, because I have felt crazy things when you're so sleep deprived, you think crazy things that you would not normally think about, like hurting yourself, please definitely call a doctor or 911 or, you know, the postpartum hotline. But certainly for those day-to-day challenges, those are great places. My Instagram feed and the private Facebook group are great places to connect with other mothers and share really emotionally the experience that you've been dealing with as a mother and for us to support you and empower you to move forward. And then you can always contact me through any of those means. My website is in progress, but stephaniejala.com. My last name is spelled kind of funny, J-H-A-L-A, and you can put them in the show notes. So those are the best ways to contact me. And I love people and I love animals and I love you. I think <laughs> these things so so important. All these conversations are so, so needed. Oh, thank thank you. you. And I love that. I love that because the communities of women are so important. And thank you for the disclaimer, but also for making a space for people to talk to each other, because I think that is one of the most important first things we can do. Yes. All right, everybody, if you want to listen to or read, excuse me, more of the show notes, check it out on startuppregnant.com slash podcast. We'll have all the show notes. And as always, I love it when you hit subscribe or you leave a review because that really helps. And we'll have all of Steph's awesome work linked up in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Startup Pregnant Podcast. If you have a question or a comment about the show, head to startuppregnant.com for all of the show notes, episode quotes, and more. We have weekly blog posts and a lot of bonus resources all over at startuppregnant.com. If you want to support the show, the best thing you can do right now is hit subscribe and then leave us a review. And if you'd like to become a sponsor, go to startuppregnant.com slash sponsors to find out more. Thank you so much, and I'll see you on the next episode.